You only have yourself to blame if you get burnt by girls like this. Welcome, me Immortalites, to another round of the book reviews. My name is Karen, and I do these book reviews for those who want to transcend beyond their own mere mortality to understand more about the books they are reading and learn from them. So let's dive right into today's. It is a classic. It is well-known throughout the world. It is for high-class, distinguished women like myself. It is indeed Breakfast at Tiffany's by Truman Capote. The book was published in 1958 and it is extremely thin, extremely small. It's less than 100 pages, so you'll read it quite quickly. It's set in the mid-war 1943 in New York City, the social glamorous side of New York City as well. We follow an unnamed narrator as he meets Holly Golightly and she is a socialite, she is a debonte, she is just one of those people who is extremely outgoing and everywhere at the same time and it doesn't really have a strong plot line to the book. We follow a series of events that happen, but there's no real driving force behind it. And it's cut into short little sections of here and there, months pass by a time before he meets Holly again. So this narrator moves into an apartment and there is this enigmatic girl down, I think it's the flight below him. And she is constantly you know, hitting his address because she forgets her keys so waking him up in the middle of the night. And he meets her as she comes into the fire escape. She is extremely confident in her sexuality, so she's okay changing in front of him. He enters her apartment and it's just wild, strewn stuff everywhere, clothes all over the floor, alcohol galore, whatever it is that you want. And she has these wild parties and essentially she just does lives her life to the best possible that she can. So she goes out, she meets people, she has a friend, she's in this, you know, she has this rich mm, sort of suitor, I guess, who is trying to win her favor and marry her. And the the narrator is involved with her. You would almost say that he is a part of her life and almost a suitor himself, but he tries to maintain himself a bit different and a bit outside of it. She eventually gets into trouble with the law and has to escape and we're left with this, I just suppose, enigmatic ending with her as well, which is she flies off to Brazil. She is made for this sort of lifestyle where she is always outgoing, always extremely careless in a way, but also genuine. About the author Truman Capote, he actually embodies Holly in many ways. I read a little bit of his life story and he did have this aspect of the socialite of the glamorous lifestyle in him traveling to all these different places, living the highlight, mingling with the rich and famous, things like this. Now, this author, Truman Capote, was actually famous for many books. He actually wrote quite a few, and I actually had no idea. I'd only heard of him for writing this one, and you could almost say that this wasn't his most famous book. There is a couple of others that are really standouts as well. Now, Breakfast at Tiffany's is funny as well because I always assume it was just one story, but Typically, it comes with three others, and these being The House of Flowers, A Diamond Guitar, and A Christmas Memory, which add an extra 40, 50 pages to the the novel as a whole. So even though Breakfast at Tiffany's is called for this, I think it is usually associated with these three other stories as well. As the book was so small, I'm really only going to talk about one theme today, and that is female charisma, or beautifully enigmatic with feminine wiles. So Everybody knows about Holly. She is one of those 
undeniable characters who you cannot forget. If charisma is only reserved for certain people, she is one of those sorts of people. And it's funny because her personality changes so rapidly. And I think this is where the charisma, the enigmatic, that mystery draws people in. So she's very sad at times and then she can be super happy. She will brush off something and then she'll be apathetic. She'll be hungover and then full of energy. She just has these so many different contrasts that jump out right away. And then she has the the feminine wiles as well. So this is where she does like to make herself look beautiful. She will dress up in finery. She will you know, appreciate the finer things in life and put on makeup and go out and be active and flirtatious with everyone. There is an insinuation that she's a a whore in the book or a prostitute or maybe a high-end class, but I think it's more of a geisha type thing. So this is where it's a, you know, using her sexuality to further herself in the world, but not whoring herself out, not just giving it away for free. For example, there is an expectation of, of prestige, of fame, of wealth. And even though it's not direct transactional type of thing, she does have this just enigmatic quality to her and her sexuality is part of that. She is just undeniably interesting. So being charismatic, what is the distinguishing quality? And I really would say it's the mystery. You really have no idea what she will do or say next. So she gets involved in crime sort of unintentionally knowing what it is, but also playing it off and being like, oh, it'll be okay. Everything will work out fine for me. This carefree spirit that she almost have. uh, She's also a straight shooter. So even though you don't know what is going to come next, you can tell this is her just acting from her heart and putting it out there. She's not hiding things behind glass and mirrors and lying to manipulate people or not saying what she actually believes to be the truth or all of these sorts of things because she is just who she is and you can take that or leave it. So it's quite funny. You can also look at her and say, man, she has a lot of qualities which aren't particularly nice. And you wonder if she did have these qualities, would she be a better person? Maybe, but would she be enigmatic? Would she be charismatic? Would she have this attention, this attraction that draw people into her? I'm not so sure. So to list some of her bad qualities, for example, she's not reliable, she's not motherly, she's not respectful, she's not hardworking, she's not even particularly kind, she's forgetful and somewhat of a leech as well. She will jump onto other people and use them for their resources, particularly the money side of things where she'll just go with people because they have money and can invite her out for a nice time and things like that. And you would almost say, okay, if she did have some of these other things being put into her, she wouldn't be such an interesting person. She wouldn't have other people trying to clamor for her and taking her out to dances and buying her nice things. So it really does seem to be a bit of a trade-off. So you, you might not like her in some respects, but because of that, she is so enigmatic and she does have this charisma. Now you might just say, no, she doesn't have charisma. She's just in that scene. She's a socialite. She hangs around with rich people, the fame, the money, the wealth, the gold diggers, the playboys, she is just in that scene. That's why people are connected in that sort of way. But I would argue, "Mm, no, not so much because you can even take a normal, I would say reasonable person such as the unnamed narrator and he can't help but be drawn, attracted and dragged into her and into her sphere. So they have a big fight. There is this huge breakup that they have and they don't speak for months. He then initiates contact again and it's like, 
bam, they're best friends again. It's She doesn't hold a grudge. So, she does have so many redeeming qualities followed by so many irredeeming qualities, qualities which are a little bit detestful. But it's really hard to judge her and just say, eh, you know what, she's trash. Because no, she does have all of these fun, cool things about her, which are so exciting. It's really funny to see someone who is so charismatic that you ignore, you think about the other things rather than the irredeeming qualities that one might have. Onto my personal observations and takeaways. It's quite funny that I really loved the character of Holly Golightly, but detested that of Sybilla Melvin in My Brilliant Career by Miles Franklin. And it's funny because they are really similar in so many respects. They're both young. They both come from impoverished backgrounds. They're both dragged into this socialite realm of you know, wealth, money, high class, status, that sort of thing. They are both hot and cold. So they both have these real quick changes in temperament and uh, they're both flirtatious. They both enjoy the finery and they're both, you know, really, really similar in many cases, but I really detested Sybilla. And what was it? And I think it was her duplicitness. So she would be hypocritically judging other people saying oh those other girls they're all flirtatious why would you do such a thing and then she would do it herself and so she had this scheming quality about her where she would try and lie and manipulate and change people to achieve her own objectives whereas Holly Golightly you just don't feel she thinks in that way she is simply in the moment she's spontaneous she's a, a take it or leave it kind of girl she's not trying to manipulate people in these certain ways and I think that's what the main character was she you know she is who she is and you take it or you leave it if you don't like her you got to know this is her character. This is who she is. You know, you can't change the nature of a tiger because that is just what she's going to be. So if you, as I mentioned right at the start, if you get burnt by a character like Holly Golightly, it's your own fault because it's not like she's scheming or trying to present herself in a different light. No, she is who she is. Another observation from this book was that it was set in that 1943 era. And there seems to be something really, I don't know, special, something crazy about a whole city, a town, a population filled with mostly women because a lot of the men are going overseas and even if they come back, they're for short periods. And so, it captures this feeling in the air, which I don't know how to describe. You could sort of see it a little bit in My Brother Jack as well, which is set during World War II time and in Melbourne, which is another big city. But there does seem to be something about just having lots of women around or maybe the lack of men is the distinguishing factor but there does some seem to be something in air and I really like these books which have it because it it portrays this quality of life which is just so completely different from from what I've experienced in my life for example the final takeaway I had was just a question for myself which was can charismatic people really care for others i.e. are they willing to change themselves to lighten the blow of telling a harsh truth to someone or you know changing the situation to spare someone's feelings for example because it's a real uh, catch-22 which I reviewed recently in the sense that charismatic people draw people in because they are living themselves they are not trying to manipulate or scheme or become another person it's just them exposing themselves to other people and that openness I think is what draws in people that is what charisma is but then what happens then when they're in situations where maybe they do need to lie to spare someone's feelings? Do they actually do that? Or are they always 
you know, just themselves telling the truth as it is. So it really got me thinking about charisma and just what it is that draws people in because it is such a fascinating thing to have people who just draw you in for whatever reason, even though you can see all their flaws and faults like everyone else, there's something about them which is special. And uh, I really love that. I really love hearing about that and, and thinking about that. So in summary, it's a book about a carefree socialite who doesn't learn a lesson. She does bad things, but everything works out well for her. But that's not the point of the book. The point of the book is to expose that lifestyle of the socialite in New York in you know the 1943 mid-war era. She leaves an impression, whether that be good or bad, and the analogy of her to an untamable wild character, a wild animal in the book, I think is spot on. She is one of those people who lives her life to the fullest and you can't ask her to change because that will just you know, break whatever it is that is special about her. Me personally, I'd love to meet more people like this in my life, but I just wonder if my own values would not allow me to really connect with them because I do value all these other things and there is something about a charismatic individual who might not be super kind, who might not be super nice, who might not be willing to change themselves for others. And the book is really good at exploring what charisma is and maybe just giving a, a, a brief overview of the socialite scene and and what it is like to live in a city filled with women. So overall, I'm giving Breakfast at Tiffany's a six and a half out of 10, a very solid book, just not really going to be my favorite of all time. So Mere Modelites, we've come to the end of another book review and I really do want to thank you for joining me up until this point. If you'd like to hear more, you can hit follow or subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening on. And if you could go over to Apple and iTunes and leave five stars and a nice review, that really does help me out. To interact or connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at Mere Mortals Podcast. And other than that, I hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are in the world. Kyron out.